Hello and welcome to another edition of What's Korean Cinema? Join us tonight, we've got the trio of, obviously, your host, Stuart Sutherland, Kenneth Broson, and hey. Martin Cleary. Hello. Yes, Martin being from, I just been to say whatscoreancinema.com, but no, newkoreancinema.com. Hey. Yes. And we should also have appearances from uh, Paul Quinn and Rufus. Funny last name. Uh, both can be found at their websites, paulshangocelloid.com and rufus's senateawesome.com. Yeah, podcast uh, nonetheless, uh, now on, on his uh, kind of own. On, uh, he has a main show, if you will. It's obviously cinema, but now mm-hmm. Awesome has debuted its podcast series. Yes, this ad has not been paid for by. <laughs> so. Tonight we'll be covering the epic Korean gangster movie Friends, also known as Chingu. Ooh, a Korean name you can, or not not you, but the, that the rest of those world can pronounce <laughs> a simple name. And it, that, that doesn't literally mean friend. Does anyone know that? I think it does because when you watch the movie, they do say the word friend like a hundred times. It's like Chingu. It's like what? Seriously, if they ever see the subtitle. You wait, then you hear the little bell. It's like a little drinking game. (laughs) (sighs) That's probably why I've never made it to the end of the movie. But, yes. So, uh, for those not familiar with Friend, originally released in 2001, the story is, let's see, this is from the Third Window Films DVD, which you can find across here in the United Kingdom. Probably quite cheap on Play.com and Amazon. This expansive crime drama follows four friends from their formative years in 1970s Korea until adulthood. Through each of the four came from different family backgrounds. They stayed together through... through, (laughs) They stayed together through the tough economic times of those years. However, as they mature into adults, the boys' long-life friendship is broken when two of the group turn to crime to make their living. Soon this once close quartet has split into two rival factions, turning old friends into bitter enemies who, whose differences interrupt into violence. Another plot personally butchered by Stuart Sutherland. <laughs> I want to start adding, like, MD at the end. Like, I'm basically qualified at doing this. <laughs> a, li- a little uh, little stamp of approval, albeit it would be kind of odd doing that on, on an audio podcast, you know. Stuart Sutherland, dick. <laughs> <laughs> I approve this butchering of a plot and synopsis. Do it so loud. Turn off now. <laughs> <laughs> or the just credits come up. And you're still saying, too long. Friend was directed by... Oh, Korean names. Uh, Quack Kyung Take. Everyone knows old Quack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do we know? <laughs> do, do we actually know? The people that know Korean cinema, are they actually... Is, is this a figure of note? Maybe the people of Pusan, his hometown, when he was born on 23rd of May, 1966. There you go. Uh, to answer your question, I think that Friend is his biggest film. Definitely. 
Um, he has made a few other films which were like big hits and a couple of crappy ones. Friend, we'll talk about it a bit more later on, but um, basically it was a massive blockbuster film. Um, so his other films got a lot of attention just because obviously he'd made a load of money. Mm-hmm. Um, his next film, Champion, was pretty big as far as I know, which was a, yeah. like a, a biography, like a biopic of a boxer. Um, that's pretty good. That had a UK release mm-hmm. as well. Through Premier uh, Asia. That's it. Yeah, Premier Asia. And, uh, yeah, then his, his other films following Champion was Mutt Boy, which is a pretty good film, but it's a weird sort of underplayed um, film about a, basically a guy who's a bit simple. Have you seen... Have you seen I've missed that one. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. Uh, mm. Then I've got the list here. The next film was Typhoon. That also had a UK release. It was like a massive budget Korean film, and it's pretty poor. It's, uh, I, 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 I even got a hold of the Region Three, the Hong Kong DVD, and watched it once, and just no urge to go back. It's quite sad. Yeah, it's one of those kind of all flash looks quite good but it's just boring as hell two hours of like Michael Bay style film <laughs> I don't care about whether I want to see flashy cars transform into robots in 3D that, mm-hmm, that's what Typhoon was really missing like if it was Guangdong Gun riding on a fucking Korean Optimus Prime if it was in 3D okay yeah. I'll settle for that with, with, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it sounds like a career trajectory that is kind of on the downslide, or are we seeing are we seeing an upswing? Or? He he's currently making a film, The Battle of Yellow Sea, which is one of the big war films, I think, um, in production. That there, there's been quite a few sort of war films uh, made in the last couple of years. So I think that's like another really big budget. One, so oh, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked up the plot synopsis, and funnily enough, a 3D action film based on a true story. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. true. <laughs> true 3D, motherfuckers. I'm going to see bullets flying at me. Let the bullets fly, man. <sighs> Sorry, I just had to interrupt when I saw those words. Was friend? I mean, we, we've hit upon a theme during this series of debut directors. Was friend his debut film by any chance? No, he. It was his. I think it was his third film. I don't know if he made short, short films as well. Right. Um. He he made a couple of films. I haven't seen them. I think they're supposed to be kind of a bit lighter. Sort of. One is definitely a rom com. Uh, I'm not sure what the other one was. So when friend came out, I think it was a. So a change of direction for him, which uh, was a bit of a selling point, along with the fact that it's supposed to be a true story. Yes. Give or take, I guess, uh, of, of the director. So, so a biopic kind of thing without maybe the, the excessive gangster violence? Yeah, I, I don't know how true to life is supposed to be or what elements are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, taken from real life, but uh, the I mean the I guess the sort of central character in it is basically a stand-in for the director. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that was a, a big uh, sort of selling point. Well, it's certainly like a story. I mean, a story about growing up is, you know, s- suitable, for, you know, to be rooted in truth. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, with the slight nostalgia in the film as well, it's not hard to 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 think that's conceivable that uh, a lot of those images during like the first half uh, are are very much uh, rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully not the excessive gangster violence. Uh, uh, the, the the excessive gangster violence is is the fiction of it all because otherwise it would be kind of a tragic story <laughs> and uh you know a director put, putting his whole whole heart on screen in bloody fashion you know it sounds like well, well maybe it's therapy but you know it uh, if it would have been all true then uh, wow brave to put it all on screen but i don't know mm-hmm. if i say a little bit about the year it came out as well uh it's a 2001 film so it was the biggest grossing film of the year and the the second highest grossing film of the year was my sassy girl which, you know, Ken loves. Well, this is short, as I automatically love this more. <laughs> it's a bonus. Um, one of the sort of key things about Friend is it's uh, obviously a gangster film, and there was absolutely loads of gangster films coming out at the same sort of time. Um, uh, loads of uh, comedies... Um, my boss, my hero. Um, my wife is a gangster. Married mm. to the mafia. Those kind of. Uh, what is it? Married to the mob or married to the mafia? Um, it's mafia. One is the old Michelle Pfeiffer movie. I don't know which. <laughs> they're they're both about as good as each other. Um, <laughs> and as as well as uh, sort of other sort of similar gangster films coming out. So that there was. Basically, a, a load of the films coming out at the same time. So attack uh, the gas station uh, around about that time as well. I mean, uh, an odd, quirky little gangster movie. Or I would think that those? was around '99 or something. Right, earlier maybe. Okay. Yeah, a couple of years before. That's, uh, have you have you seen Attack the Gas Station? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw that. Don't remember anything. I was very confused by it, to be honest. Maybe not prepared for it either. It was. I don't know, it it never properly registered with me, I think, uh, and therefore I, I can't really say if I liked or disliked it. it, it uh, but I remember it being, uh, you know, it, it had uh, different humour, in a way, quirky, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and the concept, uh, as I think uh, Stu has uh, talked about sometimes, is, you know, it's a very little English title, and you kind of get uh, curious. Attack the gas station. Right. <laughs> what has it done to you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and very, like, uh, confined as well, you know. Not like, attack that big city for two hours. No. Attack the gas station. All right. Small, small uh, you know, small goals in life. But, uh, all right. Start small. Move up. <laughs> you can't start thinking, but uh, I only remember being very confused by it. And I, I, maybe it was, like, my second Korean movie. was not prepared for it, really. Uh, but who knows uh, if I will uh, revisit it or not. Uh, I watched it on a very, like a Hong Kong DVD that was so goddamn poor that, that I think it hindered my enjoyment of the film for once. Uh, like the old Mayar DVD of Attack the Gas Station, that was, ah, yeah, it was extremely quite bad. poor. Looked like, looked like it was shot through 
you know, uh, a screen door or something. It just look horrible. Mm-hmm. I even went to the lens and picked up the Korean DVD afterwards. Mm. So, so, so mm. there's proof that maybe poor presentations in this day and age can actually hinder your enjoyment of, uh, of a, of a film uh, fully, even. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, Attack the Gas Station is quite stylized, isn't it? So if you lose that in the transfer, I guess you lose a certain amount in the hmm. film. Yeah. I, I think um, well, Attack the Gas Station was a couple of years before, and it was it. Looking online, it's sometimes classed as a gangster film, but I'm not sure that I'd think that it falls under there. But it's definitely like a youth, um, sort of an aggressive youth gang sort of film to a, to a point. And uh, again, I think that's another thing that Friend taps into. There's the nostalgia, but there's also the sort of youth, uh, you know, sort of violent youth story that's there. Again, there's sort of a few films around that time. Uh, you know, kind of similar to that tie to that, so... Mm-hmm. Would this be the one that, now that we're 10 years into it, is the 10th year anniversary, if you will? The ten, it's, a, it's a podcast on the 10th anniversary, even. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but is this, in your opinions, uh, the one that stands out the most and is kind of like the, the best out of that, from that era of that, uh, uh, when it comes to that trend? So, what do you think, Stu? If you've seen the various ones that uh, Martin mentioned. Um, I never delved that far into it because really it was to the point where Korean films were still hit and miss for me. I didn't want to like, obviously burn too much money on the wrong types of films, but I did get across a copy of uh, My Wife is a Gangster. And I think that has been like really the only other Korean gang film. Oh, crime, drama type film like coming out of there and it just it's it's just completely different genres. Mm-hmm. Like, it is like the light and fluffy equivalent of gangs. Yeah. Or the funny and spunky equivalent, let's say. <laughs> so in a hard, in a hard edge movie like this, you know, uh, you didn't necessarily have I, I gather ten <clears throat> hard edged bio Pigs, gangst, bloody gangster movies, like Friend. Thank not. Thankfully not. Six months or what have you, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm never going to Korea ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I know, like I saw the devil put the fear in me already, but Jesus, <laughs> these are real devils. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if there's like a equivalent of a Wong Jing in Korea, like a, a filmmaker. You do low budget films and just cashing in on trends kind of smartly of course but uh, have you ever heard any like <laughs> hated director in Korea akin to Wong Jing that just cashes in on what the audiences want hmm uh, do you think we've actually known Korean cinema long enough for that because I think Wong Jing's legend basically went back to the 80s so we like this. We knew about this guy because he's been around forever, and Korea's basically ten years old to me. I'd I'd love to find that director. Though. I'm sure there must be. Yeah. So 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 Rufus, enlighten us. Yeah. You're you're listening to this before you're recording your bit. So, Korea's Wong Jing, please. So, so, serve us up, Korea's Wong Jing. Go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Any other notes on the year, Martin? Basically, it was kind of Korea's year for breaking box office records and for really picking mm. up where it probably the films in 1999 and, ni- and 2000 were the ones that really started uh, sort of making people sit up and take notice of Korea. By 2001, it really hit its stride. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2001, 2002, they just seemed to make just films that rolled out across Asia. And then a few years later, sort of over here, to a degree when they were picked up, but across Asia, I mean, these were massive. So... Uh, Again, it's just uh, part of the sort of big explosion in Korean films. I think F- Friend was uh, like a big part of that, along with My Sassy Girl. They both travelled well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and found distribution overseas, as you said, uh, even if it was years after that. This was always one of, like, the five or ten movies you, you knew of, even if you didn't know anything of the movie, you know. Uh, just a movie that, to me, anyway, you know, was was lingering in the air, kind of, you know, friend, that Korean movie, that big Korean movie, you always knew, knew that somehow, and I guess that's a, that's a evidence of, uh, you know, staying power somewhat, or mm-hmm. success, even, uh, at least, you know. I think it was one that crossed over in, like, a lot of the forums and things talking about Hong Kong films, it crossed over quite easily, mm-hmm. um, because there's, I mean, we'll chat about it, but there's sort of certain similarities it's not such a big sort of uh, jump to a different type of film mm-hmm. so friend fits in pretty uh, snugly so. mm-hmm. and not really like a movie that is strictly korean across the board i'm sure there's um, uh, loads of like uh, aspects that i don't notice not being korean not knowing anything about korea and i think rupes has mentioned uh, a couple of times that he uh, it has a particular uh, accent uh, in the movie. The characters speak a particular accent uh, in the movie. That is, uh, I don't know if it's right to say if it's notable, but uh, I, I've heard the accent being brought up um, on uh, on a few occasions. Yeah, that's one. That's uh, true of Friend as well. The accent is apparently. I personally can't tell, <laughs> but uh, yeah, apparently the it's very localized. Like really highly recognisable the way they speak and uh, obviously sort of some of the imagery and sort of places where they are as well but again the accent is apparently plays quite a strong part in in the film. So maybe we could go on to our main cast um, the first dude I want to bring up is uh, Yo Ho Sung who played uh, Jong Suk in the movie like he was the the proper <laughs> gangster, really, wasn't he? Like he was the one that all came from the family of gangsters. Like that was the when they're all getting uh, punished by the teacher. And the, it's like I, I love the balls that like Korea had when it comes to disciplining their students not, to the point. Not subtle discipline. discipline. No, and even to the teacher's reaction when he finds it that you. Sung's like father's a gangster. It's like he gets the. I'd expect him to go. Oh, um, next. I just let let him go because he's like, I don't want to fucking slap the shit out of a gangster's son. And he's like, no, I'm gonna take my fucking watch off and double hand this bitch. He <laughs> fucking dropped him to the floor, and started laying the boot in. He's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
but a, a, a very raw, <laughs> a very raw appearance in this actor, and I don't know if that makes him fit into fit into like that unfortunate mold of being typecast or or, or me. You know, but, but but then again, you're all surprised sometimes that that guy who was such a badass in that film was so pleasant in that other film. So I don't know if this actor uh, has versatility and can do anything. Mm-hmm. And actually looking up his filmography just now, I have actually seen very little of his work. Um, I have really just seen like my, my f- first exposure outside a friend would have been Attack the Gas Station, where he did play like bulldozer, just like the big, strong dummy, basically, <laughs> and it was like such w- surprise and change of pace that friend was like the very next project he worked on, where it, it did fucking grew up so much in two years, <laughs> and then the last film I actually seen of his was a champion. Like I was about to say, I, I saw that cover in, in, like in my mind, like that that guy looked familiar when I was watching Friend. I haven't seen Champion, but I remember the cover. Like, that guy is either the same or I'm falling into the trap of all Asians look the same. Kind of <laughs> bad thing, but uh, <laughs> But I, like, Champions are like a favourite in this house. I think in, like, we just like our box of movies. <laughs> and it is. It's such a damn good film as well. Like, they did kind do, as we say, versatility, but I've I've never travelled that far outside of three films, and he has. He's probably got like over a dozen films under his belt, anyway. Mm, yeah, I, I've only seen the same films as yourself. I haven't. Uh, but looking at his filmography, he's got a film called Lump of Sugar, which mm-hmm. um, I just imagine him being in some sort of frothy, um, light comedy. Yeah, he probably plays the same character. I don't know. I haven't seen anything else. So yeah, the the three roles are pretty similar, aren't they? Because he does look, um, he <laughs> looks the part. because <laughs> nah, he has the big sports build. He's got like that big strong figure to look like an intimidating gangster. I can't even see him being like the the cutesy, like guy that's being like teased by the sassy girl. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's not the type will just grab her by the face and throw her in front of the train. End of film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a wonderful alternate version to that story. Yeah, Ken approves. I was like, she's going to fall in front of the train. She sways back and then he just pushes her. Credits. Walks <laughs> away. Gets in the car. There just happens to be two guys sitting in the boot, bouncing up and doing but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to my sassy girl three. I've started writing. So, um, probably I'll have to go on to the next real big standout actor of the, of the film, and the other one that has kind of probably gotten the most success, or most successful career, would be a uh, Guangdong Gun. Hmm. Um, Any place? He plays Dong Su. All right, the guy who you will see see the most on the covers, really, because he's uh, at the center a whole lot, but, uh, you know, it's the guy I always notice, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's the pretty boy out of the group, really, as well, so. Mm-hmm. And he is, like, this is, I think this would become one of these actors, I think that's a, the main thing between, like, Yo Ho Song and Guang Dong Gun is the fact that both of them really have distinct looks. Like, fucking 
just the sheer height and build of your whole song makes him stand out for the rest. And Guangdong Gun just has a like just that a look like I reckon <laughs> my descriptions are terrible. Just like the pointed nose, eyes, <laughs> like that guy. Like sure, like they had him in Typhoon with long hair, but you knew like it's just that face. Like, the face of evil, basically. Like, I can't see this guy being in the fluffy romantic comedies either. I can just <laughs> more people in front of trains. <laughs> the face of evil. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he, he'd be delighted to hear, to hear that <laughs> quote. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, he's brought it onto himself. That shot of him basically walking onto the elevator in the fish market scene towards the end of the movie. Just him walking and turning around, just like, oh, it's a devil. I know I was saying that about the French dude in Vengeance, but no, he's the devil. (laughs) (laughs) But um, another dude that's gotten quite a lot of films underneath his belt, I think, obviously, he's going to be well exposed now in the sense that he was in the... I'd be right in saying this, American-Korean movie, The Warrior's Way. I think it's a New Zealand-Korean movie. Right. It mm-hmm. might have had some sort of, yeah, Hollywood funding. It was still a, a big studio film. Oh, it was, it was like, huge. It was, like, a nationwide release, and it had, like, Kate Bosworth, Jeffrey Rush. It did have some big cast, even, what, T-Lung as well. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Your race shouldn't get in there. Basically, that's it. Uh, but, yeah, Guangdong Gun is billed as one of the leads in that movie. And, <laughs> really, before this day, I never knew he was in it. I was just expecting a lot of no-name Koreans to be in that film. But, yep, that is his probably his biggest claim to fame now. But outside of that, for me... Um, he stood out in films such as the great Korean war movie Brotherhood, also known as Taguki. Mm. Where it was him and uh, a very young Won Bin. And it was just this great Korean war movie about two brothers. And basically, <laughs> at least they're both like one going on to the south and one going to the north. And basically crossing paths on the battlefield. Mm. Classic piece of conflict, uh, classic piece of drama, as the plot to friend really is a classic piece of drama too. You know, uh, uh, without being, it's not a lazy plot. It's just familiar, mm-hmm. but but, it's, but it could be damn effective if you if you uh, do familiar stuff over and over again. And I always like the north south angle. I, I I've liked that so far in my relatively small uh, uh, ventures into Korean cinema. Yes. Uh, uh, la- lastly being, of course, Welcome to Dong Makol that we did mm. on the show. And uh, that was that was a prime example of uh, the North and South angle I really dug. Mm-hmm. And it is, a, like, you knew it was epic, like this epic war movie, even to the sense, like, when I actually ordered, like, the Hong Kong VCD of it, it came in, like, three discs, like, it's so epic. It's, <laughs> it's long. It's too fucking long. <laughs> <laughs> so this is obviously a Korean VCD. But yes, it was a film 
a, a huge film and a great film. It was. I think if it, it, like the Korean War genres maybe become a little oversaturated, but I've looked and seen other films such as uh, is it Salimido? That's the one with uh, Ang Sung Kee in it. I saw things like that coming out about the same time, and I was like, mm, I don't want to get. I, it's again, I don't want to get fucking stung by picking up just a fucking shit film, basically. But just a minor question within all that, uh, I, I, I'm not looking to to have a huge elaboration on it. But uh, our point was kind of a war movie, but mixed in with horror, right? Or, or, or yeah. point really about uh, also I only saw a brief trailer once it seemed to be like a horror movie as well ah it was pretty much that's and it re- and, and not really liked either <laughs> um, ah, it was not bad that was another one that I felt really keen on getting and watching it and just like eh, probably should have waited till it comes out on DVD which wouldn't <laughs> be until like fucking six years later under different title Oh wait, no! It actually did get released. Then it got re-released under a new title, didn't it? Just like last year. Ghosts, Ghosts of War or something. Oh. Dum dum. I think our point's a film that has aged quite well because it came out of that whole Asian horror time, and it's not really like full-on horror at all. Mm-hmm. So I rewatched it recently, and I think I liked it more than when I originally saw it, sort of a few years back. So. Might bang on the rental list then. And, and, and therefore, to, to go back to Friend a little bit, uh, do you think that's aged well? Uh, I partly think so. There's parts now that I'll discuss later on that I find is like, I could probably see why some people might dislike the film. Or not dislike the film, but maybe like a nitpick. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think the same thing. There's a there's a couple of films that I think do what Friend does, but they are kind of better versions. But um, generally, I think it stands up pretty well. I think the the music cues were pretty cheesy when it first came out, so they're just as cheesy now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, same as Stu says. There's uh, yeah, I think generally stands up well, and there's a sort of a few things that we'll get to maybe don't stand up quite so strongly or on on repeated viewings anyway mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so really outside of his work that is far that as I've really seen into Guang Dongan's filmography as well as Typhoon which has not really left any thought but he did also star in like another big like Asian mixture of stars in the sense of the promise. Ooh, now we're talking a love and hate, uh, love and hate relationship with uh, with a movie that that came out and bombed. I remember, and mm-hmm. I never saw it, but it was like a Chen Kaijie, you know, Cecilia Jung and huge epic and CGI and wow, that movie was disliked <laughs> mm-hmm. from the director of Farewell, My Concubine comes. This, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I never got around to watching it just purely for like the mix, the mixture of reviews, and it was like that. And it just kind of looked like it was following the stage that we've had our Crouching Tigers, we've had our heroes, 
I think Flying Daggers was out. It's like, yeah. here's a mm-hmm. film that you might mistake to be one of those. Well, yes, it, it's got the fucking ninja Hiroyuki Sanada in it, but... Ah. Uh, well, well I, I would rather uh, reference uh, uh, Sanada and his uh, teddy bear in Royal Warriors with uh, Michelle <laughs> and uh, Michael Wong. Hiya! Nah, I quite prefer him, like, beating the shit out of Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai. Or to be really serious, being totally awesome in The Twilight Samurai. I can't even think. Ah, that's a shame. I can't even think about that one. And that was something we probably even covered for Japan on Fire, wasn't it? We did indeed. And uh, good <laughs> fucking god, Stuart. Uh, <laughs> put that on a rental list. Twilight Samurai. That's just awesomeness. From at least in my opinion. I, I mm-hmm. Sonata. What a king. What a king. <laughs> so, um, I believe in our proper where the films really revolved around the last so I'm bringing up what it basically reminds me of the Korean equivalent of uh, Jimmy Fallon uh, Jung Yoon Tae okay no, not <laughs> much to say about this guy this is going to be interesting a man of four films <laughs> Ren being his debut and I and and and, uh, and he plays the character of in front uh, Jung Hoo the the funny one or the right. shifty one, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just his facial expressions like, "Yep, you just look like a Korean Jimmy Fallon to me." Wow, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was just like a, just one of those end scenes where he's sitting talking, and it's just it's the facial expressions like, "Ah, that's what that guy looks like." How fucking weird is that? <laughs> I need to mention that on a podcast. That'll be relevant. <laughs> That'll, that'll make you friends in some community, I guess. Mm, like, do you like Jimmy Fallon? I know a Korean that looks just like him. <laughs> and after Hi, one, I'm one... serious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Have you ever wanted to watch a Korean Jimmy Fallon? But now you can. Introducing Friend. What <laughs> <laughs> <Not> a comedy. <laughs> but yes, uh, Jung Un Teek had also starred in two other notable movies, I would say, in the sense that 2001's uh, My Boss, My Hero. And again, what I'd expect would be a sequel is uh, 2006, My Boss, My Student. Ooh. Not seen any of them. Of the, of it, it sounds like the lighter side of Korean gangster movies. It does. Yeah. It's uh, actually my boss, my hero, is pretty good. It's um, about a guy who wants to go up in the ranks of being a gangster, but um, in the weird and wonderful ways of story <laughs> stories, he has to go back to school and get his uh, diploma. So it's uh, one of those kind of fish out of water gangster films. So the um, the uh, what's his name? Young and Tech, he plays just basically the same character, but a gangster. Um, it's a pretty good film, but there's like a well, you can play the My Boss My Hero drinking game where every time someone gets slapped around the head, you have to drink a shot because half the film, like the comedy, is uh, someone getting slapped around the head. <laughs> so, it's pretty good. That's uh, yeah, that that's uh, came out the same year as Friend, and I don't know if there's two or three 
films in that series, but that was pretty uh, pretty massive as well. I think there was a Japanese TV series remake of it as well. So that's worth looking for. Hmm. So I go... And, and surely, by the way, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to be very shallow, but, but based on the, the way this guy acts on screen and the way he looks, it doesn't seem like he can be... You know, the romantic leading guy, the hard-edged cop, the hard-edged gangster. It seems like he's the like, comedic light sidekick in, in movies. Uh, and, and occasionally bringing a little bit of drama in his acting as he does in Friend. But, you know, it seems like this is a guy who, you know, he, he, he has a kind of a, one kind of role in his brief filmography, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could even be the best. Well... No, that's a shit point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. I'm doing my best. Thank you. No, I was speaking of my own. <laughs> Don't be throwing that shit out. <laughs> so, um, we'll throw it right on to our leading actor here. Uh, in the form of lead actor being uh, So Take Hua. Eh, close enough. <laughs> so, yeah. um, now I did that. Seems to have really been like worked closely with our director, like making appearances in Pierce's appearances in like his debut movie, like Three PM Paradise. Later again in the second film, Doctor K, and I think in the fucking film, the end of their relationship was friends. He's n- never worked with them since then, but another <laughs> dude with twelve films behind his belt, and probably the most notable one being the Korean remake of A Bear Tomorrow. All right, uh, we, we're now in recent territory. Yes. But um, in the movie Friends, Thingley plays Santik, <laughs> who is basically, as you were saying, like the represent, like basically who the, the director is, who's portraying the director in this film, mm-hmm. who is just like the straight A student, who is leading like the, the good, honest life. And is the good friend. Yes. The really devoted good friend. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's, a good, it's a good casting in a way because he, he looks like, you know, he's the everyday man. He seems relatable. You know, he, he doesn't have the, you know, the features of, you know, a gangster or a comedic sidekick. You know, he's he's, he's everyday normal guy, if you will. And, uh, <laughs> and, and has a good look for his role, definitely. Aye. He does have, he is just by the looks of him, like the, he is like the straight A type. He doesn't know, like, he can't, like, they couldn't do a role reversal. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the guy doesn't have a real imitating, intimidating screen presence. Mm-hmm. He does, he's like, oh, I'm sure I could beat him in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I like you as a movie reviewer, Stuart, and, uh, and how you analyze stuff. I, I, I really, I should adopt some of those techniques, actually. I'm sure I could take them. That, that, that would make movie viewing so much more fun sometimes. Mm. You may have been 20 years older than me, but still, what if I played dirty, I could get him. What other talk show host failed, uh, failed leading man in movies can I find in Korea here? Who say Jimmy Fallon this time around? Right, that guy. <laughs> See, that, that would be the perfect question to throw at an interview. Like, um, in, say, I was interviewing Teddy Chen, just finished talking about it. He's like, so, you think you could take me in a fight? 
<laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, sometimes interviews and shit are so stoic and so standard, you know, no, mix mm. it up a little, you know. Ah, it's not like in the sense that I decide to throw it out to fucking Russell Crowe. <laughs> it's like, ah, you think you could take me on? Come on. And here comes the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting round the world. Does anyone remember that? Yes. Yeah. Uh... Who would win in a fight between Russell Crowe and Penguin? Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Korea. <laughs> but uh, maybe one of the other notable movies outside of A Bear Tomorrow for our leading man here would be uh, Public Enemy. A movie that I know was quite big, well, got quite big in the boom of Korean cinema. Like it, like a, like it was just a hard-edged crime. Well, cop flick. And I do mind watching it. It didn't leave much presence for me. I think I remember Chainsaws. Have you gone around to that one, Martin? I've seen it so long ago that I can't really remember it. Rings a bell. Chainsaws. Yeah, mm. that's it. Like my review, Chainsaws. Yeah. <laughs> and I could probably take that guy. But if I was a chainsaw, all right, well, fair dues. I, I don't remember him in Public Enemy. No, I mean, he like, then I, I can barely remember the two leads. Yeah, he's not even got like a name check on this like IMDb page anyway. But I mean, it's IMDb, so so um, we've covered it. That's it. Bye, everybody. <laughs> well, You're not going to find out what we think of the movie. We just like talking about the people uh, in it, the friends. Yeah. The rest, of, the rest of this podcast is actually a uh, text. Like go onto our website to read the eight paragraph <laughs> thoughts of the movie. <laughs> no? Okay, we'll stay on mic. Uh, come back after this break. Hi everyone. My name's Paul and I run the Korean film website com. The guys at Podcast on Fire have asked me to give a few of my thoughts on the Korean film Friend. Friend is a gangster genre film from 2001 which tells a story of childhood friendship becoming bitter rivalry in adulthood. And with so many gangster films coming from every Asian territory that you could think of or name, for any film of this genre to stand out from the crowd, it essentially needs four things. One, a believable story, well written enough to be more than simply engaging. Two, intelligent direction. Three, stirring and striking cinematography. And four, top-notch performances from the cast. Thankfully, Friend ticks every one of those boxes with ease. The plot is essentially a semi-autobiographical story by director Kwak Kyung Tech, which starts in 1976, showing the beginnings of the friendship of a group of boys. And though Friend may have a similar concept to many Asian gangster films, what sets it apart from the crowd is a noticeable warmth to the imagery of the boys in their youth which is in stark contrast to the muted visuals of later scenes in adulthood, combined with many beautifully nuanced moments of humour throughout, such as the boy's incredulity that something as technically advanced as a VCR can exist, through to their entrepreneurship in selling images cut from adult magazines to their friends. Friend also has several segments of voiceover narration, and while that idea may initially put some people off, especially considering the difficulty that so many films have 
in finding a balance between voiceover narration and live action. In Friend, the voiceovers are wisely held back to points where they are warranted, and that ensures that they always serve as a positive addition to the plot. Make no mistake, Friend is a visceral film with a fair amount of head-on brutality throughout, but it also has heart and viewer empathy with one or more of the characters is virtually guaranteed. The entire cast give incredibly nuanced performances and raise the level of the story from simply being believable to almost feeling real. And in fact, by the end of the film, when we flash back once again to the boys in their youth, the feeling of nostalgia is almost palpable. On its release, Friend became incredibly popular with men over 30, and considering the storyline, it's not hard to understand why. But the film also struck a chord with women under 30, and it's likely that their initial attraction was to the largely photogenic cast. To sum up, Friend is quite simply a masterpiece, and in the years since its release has largely become known as a classic of Korean cinema. If you're looking for a gripping story that's well acted and all wrapped up in a sumptuous feast for the eyes, you could do a lot worse than take a look at Friend. Thanks to the guys at Podcast on Fire for asking me to be here today. And I hope to catch up with you at hangocelluloid.com at some point. So, um, really, this is probably the best time to actually do like the round robin, asking, like, when did you first see Friend, and what is like your initial impression of it, Martin? Since you are the one with like the most experience in like Korean cinema, at what point did you come across Friend? I can't remember. I think it was, uh, like I said earlier, um, seeing it on forums. The disc I've got is a Hong Kong disc, so I think I'd probably just ordered it while I was still ordering loads of Hong Kong stuff. Um, It's fairly one of the sort of earlier Korean films that I saw, definitely, but not not like the first. Um, Yeah, I, I just remember seeing it and just loving it. Really, just uh, I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail, but it sort of blew me away. I guess not, not sort of like full on. Wow, it's the most amazing thing ever. But it really reminded me of uh, you know, kind of John Woo films to a degree, sort of those kind of films to a point. So, um, yeah, I don't really remember when it was though. I just remember liking it. So, you. Mm-hmm. Um, it was again in the sense that, like the the first handful of Korean films you ever you first really see, like I think at that time I was already exposed to my sassy girl and my wife is a gangster, but and a friend turned it to be like sort of like the real first serious piece of Korean cinema. Like it was a real staple in my. Uh, history of viewing Korean cinema like this is like the first proper serious film that just just fucking blew my mind over the wall like I was just like shit got serious (laughs) I just need to keep saying serious until like Ken decided to take over but it is it was just I think I think like James Aylmore basically supplied me with a copy of it because he was ahead of the trends at that time with Korean cinema. He had already seen Sassy Girl, 
my wife's gangster friends, and he was just basically filtering them up to me next, saying, right, you should be watching this one, this one, and this one. <laughs> and it was like, the fucking, they're golden picks. And probably cheap, probably too, because they obviously did get the Hong Kong distribution, and because not everyone could afford, you know, buying these relatively expensive normal editions from Korea, and definitely not the limited editions, which I'm sure this was in like an egg or something, I don't know. Um, <laughs> what, 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 was there a limited edition, or if there wasn't, what, what would be uh, what would be a suitable limited edition for this one, gentlemen? You know? You know, an mm-hmm. odd limited edition thing, you know, for 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 serious movie, you know. Uh... <laughs> I think they Stop. should maybe do do a case in like a, a turtle. Yeah, there you go. Or, there you go. Absolutely. Or, Absolutely. or swimming trunks, or uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a, a fucking DVD case that could only be opened by a fucking six-inch blade. <laughs> blade not supplied. Mm. <laughs> or but, a but, Swedish but, knife. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but my point was that, that these movies getting like releases across Asia meant that a, a lot of people probably could take a chance on a movie like Friend and other Korean movies be uh, just settling for the Hong Kong imports that, that probably were priced at between 60 or 80 Hong Kong dollars at the time, uh, which was expensive for Hong Kong DVDs, actually. That was the high price point at one at one point. The low one was like the 3040 uh, range, which was wonderful for me, uh, discovering Hong Kong cinema, just by 10 random movies. Mm. It, it was definitely... Um, I remember Friend and Attack the Gas Station were quite big discs on the Hong Kong releases, and they were they were definitely cheap. Cause I think, I'm not sure I would have picked them up at the time, because I was sort of buying a stack, and you have to sort of budget. But they were, yeah, definitely... Uh, sort of cheaper releases and then they got more expensive mm-hmm. uh, it's fucking too much nowadays like you have to be sure to fucking pick a winner or you're just you're still dropping at least like 10 quid on the off chance mm-hmm. but aye it's really it's Ken's turn now saw it yesterday <laughs> first time found a copy of the Hong Kong DVD yesterday Exciting, isn't it? And I'm late to the party as always, but that's the magic of the last few months of uh, the podcast of Vine Network. I, I I'm really really keen on the uh, on on finding out about movies I via others because if we do a show about it, that means I have to watch a movie, and uh, I I like that the discovering new stuff. Uh, essentially, being made to watch movies, but not in that harsh way. So. Uh, I, I've said before, I, I love this series. I absolutely love it because it affords me the opportunity to discover stuff even if I dislike it in the end. It's still not a wasted uh, experience. I, I've, I've never been that kind of viewer. Like, give me my two hours back. I've mm-hmm. never ever been that viewer because that that's just a waste of energy. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm thankful for uh, getting a chance to watch uh, a lot of stuff. Including mm-hmm. this one. I'm thankful to have been able to experience it. Hmm. So, we'll keep you on point there, Ken. So, what, what was your initial impression of the film? It's an uneven one for me, actually. I'm, I'm very appreciative of having been able to watch it, uh, watch it as I said, but it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a mixed one for me. Got some really good bits, 
and some really boring bits for me. Uh, but but first thing I gotta say is, uh, if this was a visual podcast, what what you would see from me initially when when starting the movie and checking the running time would be like a five minute mouth open, jaw dropped. <laughs> it's under two hours. <laughs> What the fuck is going on? There must be a director's cut of this that I actually have to watch for the podcast. Making it. It's just like an extra 10 minutes of violence. Yeah! Bloody, that, bloody violence. Yeah. Now it's a Korean movie. This is under two hours. Albeit only by like three minutes. But, but still, it's like, whoa, this is gonna go by really, really fast. Uh, but 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 my initial impression is it's uh, you know it's it's a very relatable story. It's completely understandable. It's not told in an unclear way. It's you know the familiar template of epic friendship lost. Epic meaning a long-lasting friendship in that, and uh, epic friendship lost painted in blood. And then in the middle it turns for me very boring and indistinct. I couldn't really connect to it. But it rebounds during the last half hour in a big way which means it goes from a bad grade for me to a medium grade. There's some really genius scenes during the last half hour for me. I like the opening really a lot, and it ties in with like a technical aspect of the film. That I like. It's really nicely shot. With, uh, it has, out of all things, I, I love the colors of the movie, uh, especially during the, the opening, uh, when they're all uh, kids and um, going into teen, teenagers. It, it has a wonderful sense of nostalgia with the... I don't know if I misinterpreted the scene at the very start where it's nostalgia to run after a car and inhale a shitload of fumes. <laughs> Okie dokie. No wonder, no wonder it got fucked up later on. <laughs> like inhaling fumes like daily. But uh, alright, uh, uh, as long as the director sees it as a warm memory, then I'm not going to take that away from him. But uh, it's... Uh, it clearly is going on to like kind of a bullet in the head type of story John Woo's bullet in the head type of story uh, without it being the same kind of action but it, you, you can sense that it's a story about tight friendship that over the years changes violently and I was like when when I kind of know that about the movie and, and it starts like that because then the trip is uh, uh, the challenge for, for the filmmaker towards me is to know convince me and blow me away possibly uh by going dark after seeing some very light stuff bulleted head is a perfect example of that you know a wonderful like yay we're beating up other people in slow motion and the monkeys are singing well, well it's not the monkeys it's a rearranged version of i'm a believer at the start of bulleted head and it's like yay and then it ends way it does wow you know what i mean so the the, the the trip the journey during those two hours is uh, can be really really good for me it wasn't really but but I, but I like this template i really like this template uh, normally uh, it's fun bloody brotherhood essentially mm-hmm. mm. i think the it's the middle section like you say the start is uh pretty great and the the way it ends is pretty great but the middle section is it's like the the first section and the last section are almost two different types of film, and in the middle section, they're not really sure what to do with it, mm-hmm. as they kind of make the transaction between the two. Whereas, like Bullet in the Head, kind of has, in a way, kind of sections, um, but it kind of changes throughout. Friend does kind of uh, kick about in the middle. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't increase. I mean, maybe it's foolish uh, listeners to keep on comparing to the bulletin head, but 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 I still got that movie in my head when uh, when watching it. That it's that kind of story, and and you know you you can probably compare it to you know, ten other classic movies. I'm not thinking of Asian or otherwise uh, at this point. Uh, like uh, I don't know, <laughs> a good, uh, Bronx Tale, maybe I don't know, a Robert De Niro film or <laughs> whatever, uh, uh, a gangster film of, of that kind. But the, mm-hmm. that first half, I guess, is uh, or, or third is uh, you know it, it, it is kind of good and great to follow that discovery that the children does because it's a age-old like discovering, discovering uh, girls, discovering porn. And it's all, you know, childish <laughs> innocence. Uh, and, uh, but, but, but uh, that darkness I mentioned, you know, it's circulating in, in, uh, in, in the movie. And uh, I wouldn't say I was unnerved by the fact that you, you have a scene where the gangsters are essentially picking up kids, uh, recruiting kids, you know, uh, by just stopping them in the, in the streets in their fancy cars. So, so, so you have that, like, it's the dark side of this part of Korea that, uh, Getting recruited into gangster uh, uh, gangs and uh, gangsterhood is mm-hmm. is a clear possibility uh, for these uh, uh, not even middle class kids, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, they, these are you know poor to you know uh, struggling working class. I think it's that first section of the film that um, sort of strikes as true. It kind of feels <clears throat> like being based on a true story or inspired by it, however it is. That's the first part is, the, you know, friends sort of walking around the streets and having those conversations and things. That happens. It's not sort of a Korean childhood. It's a general childhood. And I think that mm-hmm. just comes across really well. It's probably my favourite part of the film as well. Just the, uh, you know, the, like you say, the conversations about sex and when they first get the video recorder. Yeah, and beta even. You know, <laughs> that was fun. It was, like <laughs> it was beta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the stuff. And it's, it's shot like in, oh, what's it, like serpia tones, I guess yeah. you want to. Mm-hmm. So even the, high contrast and really grainy as well. I, I, I dug that look uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just this real sort of sen- well, sentimental sentimentality sort of running throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it it does work because you know, well, you've got a rough idea of what the story is, so it does work well because you know somewhere along the line it's going to go tits up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. I think it's pretty powerful, actually, at the start of it. I'd, I'd really like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, also go, going into their them being teenagers and stuff like that, it, it, it's uh, it, it's even funny. And uh, Stu mentioned, of course, the crazy ass violent teacher beating the students. <laughs> you know, uh, just beating the shit out of them. But uh, I, I, I I liked the, the like three four instances of comedy in this film. Is is that there's the, there's the guys in the trunk. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the henchman being forced to sit in the trunk just because the gangster boss says so, and it, it's a it, it's a case of a Korean comedy in this case being underplayed, no, just mm. being just uh, being very natural, very human, and uh, I, I enjoy that uh, the, that it fits the light tone and uh, and uh, and and uh, slightly on on the edge of my seat, meaning that. It, it is going to turn dark. How dark it's going to turn, 
I don't know, but uh, I'm surely on board with that. And, I, and I'm, I'm not sure why. Uh, well, I should state this though. I I, I can't really criticize the movie for doing a bad job because I think the movie does a good job but it uh, in the middle sections where I think it turns boredom and a bit indistinct I, I and I didn't really care but but it's hard for me to criticize it because I think it can, it kind of does a good job but it doesn't reach that doesn't reach me personally <coughs> there's loads of other movies where I can clearly say that I think that's a shitty job done by the filmmakers but 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 it's hard to say that this is a bad job it just didn't reach me you, you know what I mean that 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 kind of reviewing if you will <laughs> but uh, it, 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 it's hard to I don't know it, it, maybe it's a maybe it's a controversial uh, reviewing stance and a chicken shit reviewing stance but uh, I definitely do feel that that uh, it's the, the kind of a dark it becomes I, I just you know, they're doing what they're doing, and I'm not really on board with, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the huge effect of the power of seeing mainly two characters really spiral into, you know, uh, into, into, uh, or going into violent paths and all that. Mm -hmm. But, but I gather that's where you guys really, I wouldn't say connect with the film, but you're really on board with the film, like, but the dark it becomes uh, in the middle of the section and all that. Mm -hmm. It was, it was pretty crazy because this is actually really stupid for me to bring up. But there's almost like little similar connections to like me and my teenage years, Whoa. in the sense that I, there was a guy that I hung about with at times who was like notorious for like Christ, I bump into that guy. There was times where I met him, then he just knocked the hell out of the person standing next to us and. Even to a point where he was, oh, so silly, but I, there was a point to even where he had to hide a gun. Uh -huh. And it was just like, where is this guy? And I even, like, the last time I heard that he was stabbed, but... Wow. It, it's just weird. Some people just end up on a path, it seems, which is mm -hmm. kind of the tragedy of this movie, though. Um... Uh, and, and uh, probably the, the the best line in the movie, I don't know if you remember it, or maybe it's the line that everybody remembers, is uh, because uh, June Sook says that he wishes that he was looked after by his parents, that he was given, that, or rather that he would have some sense beaten into him, essentially. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, he's, uh, you know, um, it's uh, he knows he's going, you know, dark places, and he's probably going to end up either dead or, you know, in gangs, and I, I thought that was really a, a good line to have, but also if you look at ways to live, it's just conversation between two friends, rather than, you know, the score coming in, and here's the speech, you know, here's the awards speech, um, <laughs> you know, so, so I like this, there's a lot, lot to like, and, and, and it all seems well covered, but I didn't feel like I was truly engaged un in the middle until the last half hour, which I won't detail now, we will go into spoiler territory in, in another section of this podcast, but the, uh, that was the, like, the, the, the two-thirds worked, but the movie for me overall is still a medium movie, uh, despite the percentage, if you look at that, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, I, I like the large percentage of the movie, but still it was medium, medium for me, I, I'm not in a hurry to actually rewatch it. Mm-hmm. 
strange nah. sometimes how that works. I don't know. Yeah, for me when I'd watched it was um I don't remember rushing to show everyone it, but I did get around to show my close friends it. And because it is just this really affecting film. Like it is a gangster film, but it's such a personal film as well about this like friendship amongst what starts off as children and even maybe now it actually kind of gives me like a brief resemblance at least in the very first half of the movie like resembling other films like Stand By Me where it's just like four kids just kind of making fun of each other and like it is just like minor conflicts amongst the group but Mm -hmm. this obviously this film goes a lot quicker that obviously stays on the four kids but this takes them into like their teenage years where you could see this like who's awkward who's like the cool guy and <laughs> I it's and they managed to uh, make uh, you know the, ad- the adult cast um, be sort of convincing as teenagers as well mm-hmm. and it's great in the sense that it was like the period it was set in like it 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 just I think it might just ring ring home like more truths to like this must have been set bang on like the director's childhood like it wasn't like when it fast forwards that like the the movie basically ends in nineteen ninety three like these are any like clearly significant periods like before during or after any war or like it isn't set around any giant thing it's just set at that time and they they keep it authentic with like how they mentioned the introduction of like cassette players and really bad porn. <laughs> That's what you think. We'll say <laughs> that was like the brief shot of it's like they're two close people with mustaches. Bow <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like the childlike conversations where they don't really know what they're talking about yet, but what he's read out his auntie's magazine is like enough for him to... <laughs> and it is, it's just so well done. I, I'm definitely like all in favour of the movie. It is a film that like, I can't watch it on a loop. It, is, it does take a little bit out of you, and mm-hmm. it's just... Ah, it is like a little bit emotionally affecting. It's at least very well done, though. It's, it's like a very confident direction, meaning, in this case, uh, in my opinion, non-flashy direction. Uh, it's very, like, uh, it's... Obviously, uh, it's very well shot and has a lot, you know, the grain and the colors and all that, but it, it really feels like a movie that's just... They're, they're just putting people in front of the camera, really, and, and, and that works for large parts, you know. Uh, he, he doesn't. Uh, uh, this director, uh, maybe he, if he was a debut, maybe he would have liked to draw more attention to himself. But um, definitely not. Uh, just a straight, matter-of-fact approach to uh, to to uh, to everything, really. I mean, the violent sections later obviously require a little bit, little bit more style and everything, but uh, still a very straight movie. But yeah, you say that, but the, there is actually. Qu- quite sort of flashy cinematography and editing as well. I, I agree mm. with what you say, but then there's... Um, see, one of the things that I always remember from the film is um, 
not even necessarily like the story. I always forget about the section where they see the uh, the girl band and uh, then mm. they, they have the girls around. And I think that's probably sort of one of the poorer parts, the sort of weaker parts of it anyway. But I always remember the film as like um, a series of images. And when I was re-watching it, they do literally freeze frame on some images. Um, mm-hmm. Like certain scenes when they're younger... Um, just uh, you know, chasing the uh, the fan, and then also down by the river, and then there's sort of the race to the cinema, which yeah. I think that freeze frames several times. It's like there's probably two or three sort of almost musical interludes, mm-hmm. and um, sort of has a lot of uh, scenes like that. I think when the girls are playing, it's it just the camera sort of zooms up on them, sort of pans up on them slowly, yeah. and then like I say, the chase to the cinema. That's all in slow motion but then like another image would be what happens in the cinema um and like you say the the image in the classroom so i think there's i think the cinematography and the editing is sort of puts the film together as a bit like a series of recollections as in it it does jump sort of time wise Mm -hmm. um so yeah so i see it kind of a, a bit more stylistically mm. I guess well, well, well the, it, it works on kind of a sub, subconscious level obviously then for, for me anyway that uh, uh, it, it has that and it's really accomplished and I certainly noticed that but it doesn't it, it wasn't what I thought of when discussing the movie uh, style and you know uh, whooshing sounds and style so I mean uh, that that, uh, that that you are speaking of is not akin to self-indulgent at all it's, uh, mm. it's a choice that uh, works uh, and uh, mm. I think that like the performances um, even given like the, the two I guess they're the two main performances the guys that become gangsters they're not showy uh, performances are they they're not sort of showboating <laughs> like, like intense but not uh, not um, over the top as such. Well, uh, the way you said that the dialogue um, where he says he wishes someone gave him a good beating when he was younger, what, whatever the line was, like you say, it's, it's delivered, it's, it's quite downplayed. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that about it, yeah. Yeah, it, it, so it, it, it genuinely, that, that is genuinely heartbreaking when summing up the movie, when recapping the movie, that, uh, you know, they have a character that uh, is clearly aware of a lot of things and he's not ignorant or naive or doesn't see his poor ways until afterwards it seems like that character is just being uh, is aware that everything is turning to shit and uh, I wish it was different hmm. I think it's really time we just have to get to the good part so we'll go for our second break hello gentlemen this is Rufus from V Cinema and Cine Awesome uh, great episode so far, you guys. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't make it due to other r- responsibilities. Uh, Friend, though, is one of my favorite Korean films. And I'd have to say I agree that it gets slow and sort of, you know, loses its way partway through. But I think because... It's one of the first Korean movies I ever saw. I saw this when I first went to Korea. It had just come out on on, uh, VHS. 
when I was over there, and I saw it with no subtitles. You know, at that point, I didn't speak any Korean, so I had no idea what was going on. I had to have my friend tell me, but I was blown away because I had never seen, A, a Korean movie, and also a Korean movie that was, you know, visually interesting. And you could tell, even without the subtitles, the basic story of male friendship and bonding and all that jazz. Um... Yeah, but I think, you know, it's spent 15 weeks in the box office. It was, at that point, the best-selling Korean film of all time. It reached 8.1 million viewers in the nation. And it was a huge, nostalgic hit. And this is from, you know, as you guys have said, this is from a director whose previous two films were fairly forgettable and... You know, no one really remembers them, and there's probably a reason they have not been released on DVD. Um, but yeah, I I don't really have that much else to say. Uh, I know you guys were talking about the um, the accent, and you know it does add to the film. I mean, it definitely places it in the context of Pusan, and Pusan Satori, which is like the accent, is is very kind of rough and masculine anyway. Uh, and it's just fun to speak. And a lot of people, you know, at, after that, you know, started speaking it, you know, to them, their friends, especially guys. Um, and I do have a lot of f- friends from Pusan, so they already speak it in that accent. Um, and, you know, just to give you an idea, it's like, you know, the, the word chingu happens all the time in this movie. And then, like, normal Korean... You know, they they would say like, "Are are you a friend?" Like, "Chingu aniyo," but in Pusan Satori, it's like "Chingu aiga." You know, it has like this much more kind of like sing song voice, and you know, in the infamous in the rain, thirty two plus crazy knife stabs, the famous line of the movie is "Mai muktaiga komaira." You know, I mean, it's it's just a badass accent. And I think that the strengths of this movie far outweigh the negatives. Uh, it is told in, you know, memory form. I mean, this is the, the director's memories of growing up. Uh, so, yeah, like, it kind of floats through the narratives. And, you know, you guys brought up the fact that you never really understood, like, there was no reason given for all of a sudden his his friend was addicted to drugs. But in the context, it makes sense because Pusan is a, a port city. There are a lot of drugs there, filophone or filophone or whatever, filophone or... It's basically like crystal meth um, is cooked and sold and whatever um, there... And and so, yeah, I mean, I guess it just, like, it, it's, it, you know, it cements it into the life. And I think it's an interesting because, you know, you, you really don't see that that many drugs, per se, in Korean films. It's, like, not, a, especially in, in gangster movies, it's mostly alcohol. And, but this was an interesting, you know, look at, like, Pusan 
as a city, especially, you know, where they were, when they were growing up, it's like seventies and eighties was a rough time in Korea, um, especially for working class. And the fact that they only had these like sort of means of existing, I guess, or living were the gangs or studies, you know, is, is telling. And there's a lot of history behind it. Um, that I think, you know, Champion may go, may show a more negative viewpoint or depressing in some ways of this, this area or this era of Korea, uh, Korean history, because in many ways, in this film, it's told through sort of rose-colored nostalgia glasses, um, which could be a detriment to the film and in all honesty I think a much better nostalgic growing up movie and that touches on more social issues would be Take Care of My Cat which is sort of the female version of Friend and actually in a couple episodes of Cine Awesome we'll be covering both Friend and Take Care of My Cat as a double feature um, but anyway I just thought I'd come in with my two cents I probably missed some questions you guys had. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, I couldn't make it, and I really wish I can, I, or I really wish I could. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I, I highly recommend it. It's something that I've bought multiple versions of. I have the old Hong Kong release. I have the awesome Korean special edition release. And, oh, also the... Uh, the swimmer that they're talking about was mostly just a famous swimmer at that time. And you're right. It's, you know, the same kind of talk as who can win a fight, Batman or Superman, you know, but I, I, I have to say I liked the soundtrack. I know some of you didn't. Um, I own it. I think it's a great soundtrack. Um, uh, the, the main theme song is a really wonderful song about memories and friendship um, and my favorite, I'd have to say my favorite kind of funny scene to a foreign viewer is the English language class at the beginning of the movie where, you know, the guy's like, the word of pollution usually means dirty water or air, and then proceeds to beat the shit out of his students. Um, but yeah, that's it. It's a great movie. Uh, great episode, you guys. Uh, and hopefully for the next episode I will be able to join you instead of doing this lame call in and give you the mp3 version alright I'll talk to you later bye so welcome back again I would like to give a big shout out to Rufus the Ram for his well and again he's not even sent it in yet so he needs to listen to the show first then come in with his thoughts but I'm sure it's going to be gold anyway and again you could find Rufus at vcinemashow.com cineawesome.com and check out his podcast as well this is not a paid endorsement um, Paul Quinn again hangolcelloy.com he's got a great interview up there with the leading lady from Breathless another great Korean film but now it is basically to the point where we're getting to the juicy part of Friend. Like, it's spoiler territory, people, so if you haven't watched the film and you really want it 
Like you really want to have that first time experience. You want everything be new and fresh. Leave the podcast here. Rent the film. Buy the film. It's available at all good retailers. Um, eBay. Like seriously, it's not a hard film to find. It is widely available. I think probably across. Like also United Kingdom and Asia. I'm pretty sure it'll probably be in America by this point as well. But it kind of is problematic to search for it though. Aye, because you're gonna get friends. Then you got the fucking Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> Seriously, I got like season three of Friends, then I suddenly realised like this isn't Korean. <laughs> it's on Mubi. It's, oh, it's on right. streaming on Mubi. Right. Mm-hmm. right. There you and, go. And, and if you go via the third window of films website, uh, I guess uh, he's got a direct link. Adam probably has a direct link to wherever mm-hmm. you can buy it, so you don't have to wait through. 99 pages of friend. Yes. So, um, I, Guangdong Gun gets stabbed to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is the worst kept spoiler of the film. Because the UK DVD clear in the centre of the cover art actually shows him being stabbed in the chest. Wow. Really? That's, uh, that's clever. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give up too much shit because it's Adam. It's our guy. We know the guy. But, dude, your lead's been stabbed to hell in the front cover. Let's see. I'm really going to have to bring it up there. But there's basically a shot of him, two, three shots of him in it. And two of those shots, he's actually a dead body. (laughs) So, (laughs) it's like the worst kept secret. I mean... I've just looked at the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But it is, like, even, like, the Korean DVD, in the sense that it just had, like, the four of them, like, this shot where it showed you two of them being violent, and... No, it was just, like, this cool group shot of them. That was it. Yeah, about to launch into action kind of, uh... Kind of art. Aye, like, they were just fucking bursting with energy. But... That was it. No, just... Uh, I think if it wasn't being sold in the sense that everyone's seen this film by now. But, still, your main dude's been stabbed to fuck the front cover. It's kind of hard to miss that part. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but... Ah, it's not a big deal if you've seen the film already. But sometimes that shit doesn't sink in until... You actually see the movie, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, as a non-viewer, you know, you, you, there's lots of things to focus on, on on the cover, and even if it, there isn't a lot to focus on, on on the cover, maybe it doesn't just sink in that that's a major spoiler. So mm-hmm. who knows? That that's how I work anyway. I uh, if I saw that cover, I actually wouldn't think like, whoa, that looks like a main character being killed. That's a spoiler. Mm-hmm. But that's just how I work personally. I, I I know what you're saying. I mean, it's a it's a major major thing that happens in the film. One of the main characters, uh, and uh, one of the main betrayals. Yes. In the movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. It could be a thing uh, where, like, they could be just throwing you off where you're expecting. It's like, I know this dude's gonna get rocked with a blade anytime soon. Yeah. An hour forty five minutes later. Any minute now. <laughs> or or maybe. You look at it and you think it's one of those knives like on the start of the film <laughs> and the cover's just throwing you off. They're just pissing around. 
<laughs> Man, what a practical joke. <laughs> I'm just bleeding still, but that's cool. But... <laughs> There's obviously foreshadowing earlier in the film where they actually have a practical joke knife. Uh, and uh, as kids, you know, they, <laughs> they play like for 10 seconds with this uh, knife with the retractable retractable, uh, retractable blade, if you will. <laughs> and uh, foreshadowing, but uh, not the worst kind of foreshadowing where you're like, oh man, I know totally what's going to happen in two hours. It's just like. Maybe that will pay off. Maybe not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it was in the sense like when you see that, and like it does look like the kid actually steals a proper knife because he looks at, it, kind of touches the tip. He doesn't push in the mechanism, so you see right away that's a toy knife. And he just turns around and like jabs one in the side. He's like, "Fuck! This film's finishing quicker than I thought." <laughs> They're not even making it to adulthood. Credits. <laughs> yeah, that title's like, ironic. <laughs> Some friend. Why is it like, did they just have to have a dead adult on the cover? Was it too wrong to have a dead child? But, <laughs> but it is. This film is just so good. I just have to praise it in the sense, like, probably what I, like, the, maybe the annoyance I see out of it now from watching it for maybe, like, the fifth time was these quick jumps through time. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's pretty evident in the first half. Like, their kids cuts the teenagers cuts the adults, but it's strange. It's strange things from like their friends that cuts to it's like, oh no, your whole son's a drug addict, and there was no foreshadowing of that. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of maybe expected maybe when they're teenagers, like him fucking like just sniffing the line and thinking just trying to be cool, and that was it. But Fucking next time you see him, he's he's full blown junkie. Or well, he's hooked. There's I don't actually think you see any use of drugs. No, he's just nah. wrapped in a so, blanket. He looks mm-hmm. sick. Like, or he just might have mad. just bitch fooled, but yeah. <laughs> mad as hell. And, and and then I guess it was a quick cut to him. Uh, ah, quite, uh, quite well, and now uh, full on gangster. Aye, basically being brought into it and that fucking harsh ass scene where he's getting the blade pulled down the side of his face. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wonder how, like, that is where, like, the movie magic comes in where he's running that blade doing a good part of his face and there's just this notable cut. It's like, good, ow. <laughs> like, like, the, the, oh, the, the fucking balls and the people in this film is like, bet you cut me with a knife. I'm not going to sit here and take it. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going to lead a clean life and work in a library. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just took it. It was just, oh, it's just, it's just like fucking harsh shit. But it's still like, for, for me, probably like a tw- 20 minutes away from when the movie starts being interesting again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I get that material and I, 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 I'm not, uh, I'm fond of it normally, but I, I think it's probably around the time when, when it when it closes in on the fact that you know you're gonna you're, you're going to have betrayal uh friends are going to betray each other and it's going to be really really bloody and and the, 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 there's nothing boring with brutal bloody gang war in this case i mean it it's a pretty brutal without being overly gory especially because it's uh, about repetition of the various uh, the main two scenes of of uh, stabbings Obviously, the one we talked about with the main character, one of the main characters dying, but 
that that's just all due to your know, scary sound design and not go design at all and and the intercut in between the practice session of uh, you know this is how you really really stab someone you turn the knife and you make him feel it and then they you know see that and we, and we see that in action and that, that that's certainly not boring to look at that's uh, so fucking horrifying oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it, it was just basically every line like the next scene you just seen it being fucking put into action like the fucking blade piercing the back lung and the screaming stops yeah. and like you just fucking go cold watching it yeah. and it's just the look on the guy's face who was nicknamed the fucking like knife king <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, it's like that scene was fucking horrifying at the market. Even just like that one quick shot of somebody being dragged by a hook in his guts. (laughs) And just being dragged along the floor and the guy screaming. It's like, fucking, damn it, gangsters can't play nice. This is horrifying. (laughs) Certainly no boring, um, uh, boring, like... uh... Um, uh, chopper action a la Hong Kong movies where it all is like backslashes that is only ac- accentuated by that familiar fe- uh, f- familiar slash effects in Hong Kong movies the, the, this is scary uh, a, a lot more scary and going into my thoughts why I started appreciating the movie again I think the, the familiar template again uh, being the sole focus of, of the friends really starts working for me, uh, where, where friends turn against each other in bloody fashion, and the violence again is really effective. And you know, it's, it's tragic and a heartbreak in this final hour. It really sinks in. You know, seeing friends go on a path and die on a path on a path at the hands of each other. I mean, it, it's kind of familiar drama, but and, but it's simple and clear, and truly about for me loss. Uh, you know, lost friends and true loss, and uh, it, the movie definitely rebounds emotionally. And, and, and the, the, the final thing I'm really going to say, the, the, the scene I want to single out, and again, I'm a drama fan, so that's that's just me. The the final uh, scene uh, in the jail, where where between uh, between uh, uh, Sang Tech and uh, Jon Suk, where they don't resort to like sit initially sitting there crying about the situation at hand, you know, they 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 trying to have an upbeat situation, like, how are you? I'm good. How's your mom? I'm he's great. You know, they really like clenching like hell to like hide the sad emotions and uh mm-hmm. and, and, and the final like beat in the scene, obviously it turns really tragic, is that Jun Suk is truly turned I, I think mentally uh, is lost mentally because he doesn't r- really care slash you know he, he seems to have gone into madness even uh, by this point mm-hmm. uh, uh, m- maybe it's a small point that only I, I gathered but, but I saw like a true like empty gaze in, in his eyes and his whole being like um, I, I'm, I'm lost I'm totally lost and I uh, don't know why anymore it's just uh, uncontrollable and uh, and uh, there you go. So it rebounds, still ends up medium, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. But man, it's a strong final scene that is really, really well mm-hmm. put together. And uh, I didn't expect that beat of them like uh, playing it upbeat, trying to play it upbeat while just bawling on the inside. Really. Yeah. Aye. 
and there's just like that last chance to just throw the hands against the glass. Yeah, exactly. like, oh, dude, stop it. Which was not <laughs> even a thing from earlier in the movie, if I remember correctly. It, it normally in movies that would be like a callback to to something that <laughs> had happened three, four times earlier. I don't remember if that was even a thing. That was just a spontaneous thing that the characters did, you know. No, I, I... hard against glass. It just like rung back to maybe the one scene where like he basically gets stopped on the highway just because like their cars passed each other and they realised where it was, and it was just the big dude fucking batting the glass shouting his name. Because mm-hmm. like, always I think it it was truly the ca- the case that he, that was his favourite pal. Yeah. And it was just like it maybe actually led like to a sense of normality and his like that fucking life of crime. Whereas actually seeing somebody that's actually getting a, a good use of their life and going on to being successful things in his life, the the gangster actually has more respect for like the fucking normal man, mm-hmm. like the person that's actually making use of their life and going up the ladder rather than down. I think that was like probably the biggest like, well maybe the big thing for like Yoho Sung's character, like just that feeling of respect, like that was the thing where. Like, the two bodyguards, like, I don't know if it was, like, a look of disgust or just kind of laugh because, like, he is just this wee PhD student, mm-hmm. like, trying to do this, that, and the next thing, and the fucking main dude was that disgusted, is like, right, fucking no food for you, outside, in the car. <laughs> and that image of them sitting in the trunk is just... And it's like, what's this that big fucking trunk? These guys are thin and quite snugly. But, there's yes, they're just... What do you take away from, like the 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 spoiler spoiler, spoiler sections of the film, Martin? The the scene where they play it upbeat is uh, is pretty brilliant. One of, one of the things that um, sort of watching it again, it only sort of really occurred to me this this last time watching it is the way that they by the time they're teenagers, they're nostalgic for being younger already, and that carries on all the way through. But there's by the end, they're sort of nostalgic, and that sort of in that scene of just being friend, it's like the uh, the thing that comes back, isn't it? There, there's the one scene earlier with um, Jang Dong Gun's character ways down by the harbour, and he's thinking about the turtle and the swimmer. Mm. And I don't think that that really works as well, or you know, as, as obviously the conclusion of the film. But um, yeah, one, one of the things that I sort of really noticed is this I just got this sense that the characters are playing like a role that they're supposed to play like the guy the uh, the gangster um what's his name Yuo Song's character mm-hmm. um there's a sense that he his dad's a gangster and he knows that he's going to have to become a gangster and then he sort of begrudgingly does and there's like this whole idea that he's not happy and that he doesn't really want to do it but he's going along because that's what sort of life's dealt him. And he says he's jealous of, like, the guy who's the student, or one of the students, but never really does anything about it. So they're sort of watching it again. There's this sort of strange thing where all the characters just seem to do what is... what they're sort of almost looking at as destined for. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sort of... um, and I think the only person who almost tries to change that is the guy who's sort of the lead um, 
guy, the, the student, because he suggests running away and basically becoming a gangster as well. Um, and he, he gets told, you know, that that's not going to happen, go back and study. So there's this... Um, rewatching it, when you've sort of seen the film sort of several times, this real sort of sense of... Um, you know it's not going to end up well, but the characters seem to know that while they're growing up as well. It's really kind of strange mm. tone to it. But uh, I, I think that works to make the end scene even sort of even better. Um, and, I, and i got to admit, I personally didn't get, uh, literally understood the, um, the whole turtle versus the swimmer uh, question. Uh, so <laughs> I, 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 I might sound may sound thick when saying that, but I, I literally didn't get what that was supposed to symbolize. If if anything, do do you guess have a take on that? I just saw it. It's just one of those conversations you have when you're younger. When you see, who'd, who'd win a fight out of Batman and Mr. T? That sort of. Did you? Aye. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the way they cut back to to it during the final scene, it seems like. Just well, 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 maybe it literally is about you know them remembering the you know the good the good times you know the good friendship where you had conversations like that. And now when he brings it up when he's sitting at the harbor and smoking, you know, being very gloomy and and asking that very same question again, it seems like it's you know it's it's not it's not a fun prospect <laughs> to think of uh, that question. It's just odd and weird now. It's not fun and innocent anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it is, uh, that, that nostalgia thing. Yeah. But some other scholar may have some other take on that. I, I literally was like, maybe it helps to be Korean. I don't know. I don't know who that swimmer is, <laughs> first of all. Uh, I, I, I gather it's a real name they're thrown out there, but yeah, I don't know. I think he's a, I might even say, is he an Olympic swimmer? Or was an Olympic swimmer at the time? So I guess he's like a big national hero. So, but mm-hmm. that's as far as I can uh, sort of read into it. But uh, well, one thing that I I like actually, and I think I just like it because it's messed up, is when um, uh, I really need to remember the characters' names. But um, when Jun Suk, that's his name, the gangster, when he finally breaks, he's been out overseas. He's been out on the run. Basically, yeah. And then it, it, basically, one day he just snaps, and it just there's a shot just panning sort of through the corridors of all these people cut up and blood everywhere, mm-hmm. and just goes into this room where he's just all bloody and drinking. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you think? There was like the shot he's lying there, and there's a wound bandage in his arm, and I couldn't tell if it's blood or did he actually cut his hand for like the wrist all the way up through his bicep. Just like a big knife had just been dragged all the way up him. I was like, I think when watching it tonight, I was like, wait, what the fuck? But looked pretty messed up. Yeah, that was I, the, uh, like he he went to town and then some on on himself. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the scene where he gets cut down his face. It's like he's gonna do that shit, and he'll he'll do it more. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and feels nothing apparently just. Just numb, numb. Sitting there, knocking back whiskey. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he's, certainly, he's certainly a strong performer. That that guy. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. him and uh, the, the the actor who played Sang Tech, the the student, the, the shy student, are really. Funny. Yeah. 
it's it's one these are roles and especially in the case of the, the guy who plays Jun Suk is you know it, it was kind of meant to, to to be because it seems like such a per perfect character image for that role uh and uh and uh you know even like throwaway scenes which seems like throwaway scenes like the karaoke scene where he sings my way I I think it's rather haunting to be honest because uh it's not really a happy occasion people are kind of tense in that moment and they are just quietly watching uh, some of them are watching their boss and you know not making a noise but, but it's kind of oddly tense when he sings my way and uh, mm. I don't know it's uh, uh, it's hard to explain it and it seems odd that that they but, 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 but he's like singing his heart out in a way and he's not crying about it he's still and when he's done singing I think he has that cold look on his face kind of like I'm pleased now but still it's not something's not right with that moment uh, and also well played moments as well mm-hmm it's, it's that rare, intense karaoke scene. Exactly. <laughs> How do you pull that off? Yeah, that's that's pretty uh, full on. It's, the the guys um, in the gang are sort of welling up. That's <laughs> I guess with pride or with uh, the, trunk, yeah. the, the trunk guys again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and where's their movie? I want a spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to? <laughs> Like a 30 minute short on a DVD extra or something. <laughs> well, they sat in trunks for their entire lives. <laughs> I was a method actor. <laughs> but it's like, I'm just thinking back, like basically reliving the trailer in my head. And the film does actually have some really well set out scenes. Like people just happen to walk it into shots at the perfect time. Like the great scene when there was like the, uh, they're all rollerblading, no, no skating, mm-hmm. and the main dude, like the the shy student, notices like his crush is just basically being pulled about by a gangster, no, like a fucking school bully. Well, ah, they're pretty much gangsters at that point. Mm. But it, it's the things like they're in high school, but they all look like they're in their early thirties. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> even like the fucking the Korean Jimmy Fallon looked quite old to be a student. <laughs> like it's like they've kept him back for a good while. It's just that he's just not bright enough to really get through. He's just sitting at the back yeah, of the they, class. Yeah, they never went the tickets. facial hair route either to make them age. They, they just presented <laughs> them as they were. Kind of. Much just funky haircuts. Yeah. Like the main dude just kept getting his hair changed. But it was just like the great shot where. Like the dude's holding the razor blade to his face, and he's like, "Oh man, he's he's fucked." And then you see him being kicked out of the shot, and then the two guys just walking in, and he's like, "Oh, these dudes are fucking like these dudes are badasses now. These are." <laughs> it just it was just some of these just great shots for me, and just like the walk in, mm. and just like the confidence, the swagger in them, like fucking starting a fight that they can like they could finish. And then he was teaching them the lesson in the stairwell, saying, if you're going to start this, like, you'd have to really fucking, like, finish, finish. it. Yeah. Or, like, be on to the point, then, like, befriend them, and you could become allies. Or cripple them. It's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> listen up that you could do this. You could do that. Choice in that like, if you can't decide, you could cripple them. 
And then Kenny will come back. It's like, fucking hell. <laughs> but, but it brings up a point, actually. It seems to, to me, I don't know if you guys uh, think this, but uh, it, it seems like the, the director is very methodical uh, because the, the, the details you mentioned, the kind of uh, the way people walk in shot, it's, not, it's very meticulously planned, it seemed like the movie. Uh, uh, you know, f- things happen for a reason, and it's very, like, carefully probably very carefully storyboarded as well. It's not a loose movie, and uh, that speaks to a skill I I see in the director, that uh, uh, you know, nailing moments and uh, uh, nailing subtle beats, even, you know, is uh, uh, foreground, background, or what have you, is, is very important to this director. Mm-hmm. And I think you notice that on a subconscious level uh, a lot uh, as well, and only on a conscious level when when being brought up in discussion as as you just uh, did do. Yeah. But, uh, there are a lot of details that you that you miss and uh, uh, it's fun to re relive uh, relive and appreciate it uh, too. Mm. <laughs> I I think friend is well you've seen this film before, you've seen you know, this kind of story told a lot of the time, but I th- for the most part when you're watching it it doesn't feel like that. And I think he he does like you say he nails the the beats. He takes points that you've seen done well and you've seen done badly elsewhere, but he does sort of give it a good. You know, yeah, there was never any thought in my head of like, ooh, recycle old cliches. Here we go. It was just only during the beginning when I when I like uh, figured out that this is that kind of story. All right, never thought of it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, it, as I always say, it's what you do with cliches and templates and what have you, because the, the, there are, aren't too many templates to, to <coughs> reinvent. You know, there's, there's only so many, so many ways you can uh, do stuff. And uh, it's going to be fun hearing if, if, if the likes of uh, Rufus or Paul brings it up that this is, uh, has a lot of very personal, unique Korean details that that movie-going audience picked up upon you know I mean that that they so obviously a box office smash <laughs> in my mind it feels like it's you know p- people went because they had a good buzz about it as a you know a, a, an epic friendship story but surely there must be some very unique Korean uh, sentiment in this uh, not only due to the dialect and all that but uh, that it speaks to an audience the- at least that's my theory anyway this was um, apparently is massively popular with like uh, thirty to forty year olds, mm-hmm. which would have been the age that would have gone to school in the seventies and the eighties. Mm. So uh, you know, we mentioned the nostalgia thing earlier on. I was, I was actually talking to a guy about this and about a film called, which is actually one of the films I can't help comparing it to, Once Upon a Time in High School. Yes, which yes. is you've seen that one. Aye. And that's, uh, again, that's got a UK DVD release. It's doing quite well on the UK DVD releases this time. <laughs> and um, that's uh, basically a story that's based in school. It's kind of like the, the school part of Friend, but about kind of the gangs and sort of the hierarchy within the school. And uh, But I, I was talking to someone who saw the films, a Korean guy, and he said that it was the nostalgia that basically sold it. It was a sense of things being recognisable and sort of being for a set generation. And I mean, if you sort of, without sort of going into sort of the 
contentious economic looking at that kind of side of things um in 97 korea had had like a massive uh economic crash and lots of people put out of work and you know businesses went under and things and so by the time 2001 came around there's sort of a series of films that are about manhood and being men Mm. and being sort of uh well brothers as well sort of like being no matter what the background is being friends you know that kind of and you can see that sort of tying in with friend Mm -hmm. so I always remembered, like, high school, well, once upon a time in high school, like, I think it was always portrayed as maybe, like, a more commercial version, like, especially, like, with the UK artwork, it was just, like, generic blue background, guy in a Bruce Lee stance. Yeah, so it was, like, a Bruce Lee movie. Ah, it was, but it did have some bloody, like, the fight scenes were pretty damn violent. Like, it looked like it was proper contact, and, like, it was, like, they did, did have, like, an influence in Taekwondo. Uh, I wonder if it actually Jeet Kune Do as well, but they, like, he introduced like nunchucks. And the guy did look like a fucking Korean pop star as well, which probably didn't help matters, but it is. like That film was pretty fucking brutal and really emphasised like the boss of the high school type feel that you got from films such as Friend and I think even Finley along the same lines of Volcano High. Like who is like basically the boss <laughs> of the school? Yeah, it was it was damn good film as well. But one of, I have to say one of the most fucked up scenes, or well, less violent fucked up scenes out of Friend has to be the fucking cinema. Yeah, like yeah, that was a really good, uh, well put together uh, brawl. Mm, that was fucking crazy in the sense that it's like it's actually really difficult to determine like. When the four of them got there, got to the cinema, I was like, "Do you really want to go with that lot?" And it basically gives the impression <laughs> is it a rival school because they're all in there, they're all in the same bloody uniform. Mm-hmm. But as soon as a fight kicks off, it's all of them against those four. It's not like they're in black and the fucking everyone else is in white. And you, you know, if a fight kicks off, the fucking white versus black. But they all look like they went to the same fucking school. I didn't see if everyone had beef with them, <laughs> but. It did, it just like, fight just, sounds like... Just territorial, stop. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was it. I mean, they invaded their turf on the roller skating rink, maybe. That was it. Ooh, our turf. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it was like an entire fucking auditorium were obviously clued up. They obviously got the memo about <laughs> events. But, I, it was just like how fucking crazy violent it got, like... That was the worst thing happened. Like you can't be any more vulnerable when you're taking a piss at a urinal, like a urinal, and like all the people you hate just walking. It's like shit, can't stop midstream. Mm. <laughs> it's not like you just walk out pissing, but <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it, that, that is premium action directing because that was just a full-on brawl, and and I think to an extent it can't uh, you you. It's unavoidable, really, that uh, people uh, took uh, took a few bumps during that scene. It's hard to manufacture that intensity. Mm. That it that reminds me of like um, you know the '80s films like um, Warriors and The Wanderers. Them kind of when they have action scenes, but there's a real sort of charge to it, a real like energy to it. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, that's yeah, a pretty yeah. amazing. 
yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. And 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 this is you know 2001, and in an era where, p p depending on the industry we're talking about, uh, uh, things are done so carefully. You know, p people can't get hurt. And and I guess if Friend was a movie with um, uh, pop stars in the lead roles, then they probably can't you know scrap too much and too hard and and get visibly you know scratched up if you will <laughs> so uh, so i guess it, uh, it it's good casting in that regard it's uh, yeah mm, they they just look like they're piling in, in into that toilet don't they yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> like you say someone's got i've got a hat <laughs> I, I, in a weird way, I do recommend it because I, I can't say too, too, too many bad things about it. I, I just had a experience where it didn't connect with me all the way through. But uh, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it was a pleasure to, to, to experience it because of the mm -hmm. and, and, and that soul, soul scene in the prison is, is kind of reference material and inspiring material that I wish I could have done uh, myself. You know what I mean? Because that was genius. So mm -hmm. there you go. I, I take away jealous, you know. I, I I come away watching these movies uh, uh, with, with jealousy inside me. God damn those talented, god damn filmmakers. No, <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to write a review of smut throughout my life. That's what I'm <laughs> going to do. <laughs> but nah, it's, I think it has to be a buy on my part because really it is like I do I do think you'll be wronged out your money. But if you really do end up doubting my one-sided opinion, seriously, fucking rent it. Or go on, movie. Yeah, it's uh, probably... Is it free to stream of a movie? If not, it might be just a couple of quid. Yeah, I, th I think that's... I think it's two ninety nine for t some of those. I think that's two ninety nine that film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, you can miss it on lunch for one day. Jesus, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you really need that ultra-expensive coffee? Do you... This will sober you up, bitch. Yeah. You can skip the coffee and the hobnobs for one day. Hey, well, <laughs> don't throw in biscuits. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> yes, I think it is definite high recommendation for myself. Martin? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Get it. And it was, like, I have to say, like, we've talked about it now, we've, we've passed this great moment and this moment, this great film. And our original decision on these movies last time was a decision between The Chaser and Friends. And What's for those... <laughs> we done both. And <laughs> it was actually due to, like, fucked up natural disasters. But, yeah, so if, like, if you are, like... If this is the first of you just hearing that, you can still just, like... Drop us an email letting us know that you did provide some donation towards like charities helping the Japan tsunami disaster relief funds, and we're more than happy to link you up with like a three-hour podcast. Uh, one of that, like one hour, based on like just on the chaser, so you can't miss out on it. Seriously, if you did provide some relief to the natural disaster, we're here to fucking credit your fine. Sponsorship. Yeah, it was a good, good, um, good uh, participation in that uh, benefit pod. So, uh, thanks again, everybody. Uh, thanks, Martin, of course, for participating in a good old discussion of the chaser. Um, 
and, and a movie worth discussing and a movie coming out on Blu-ray soon. I'm so getting that. I think it's coming out on cool. Korea, Korean Blu-ray. So, finally. Nice. But, yes, so, looking ahead into the future, we need to decide now the Ooh. What's Korean Cinema, episode 4. I posted it online, both our Facebook and Twitter, like, a couple hours ago. So, I've had, like, one reply. No, I'm kidding. We have. We've had a good couple of replies in the war between what movie will we talk about next? A Tale of Two Sisters or Memories of Murder? Pulgasari. I didn't get that reference on Facebook, and I still don't get it here. Uh, it's, but it's a, it's a monster movie. Korean monster movie. Uh, Kim Jong-il produced funded <laughs> monster movie. Ken, you'll speak when spoken to in the future. <laughs> so... Um, it is. Like, I think everyone is in favour to have us discuss and dissect Memories of Murder next. Sweet. So, cool. I've forgotten so much about that movie. I have seen it, loved it, forgotten probably 99% of it, so it's going to be so fresh. Mm-hmm. So, I can tune in next time. But, I mean, we can't even finish the show without actually getting a real roundup feel of the whole thing. So, Ken, what did you think of the film? Too fucking long. 